Welcome to Comic Experience Sci-Fi. I am talking today with Mark Hodges, who is the person in charge of, tell me if I've got this right, the, the Grand Rapids Comic Con? That's right. Hi, kids. <laughs> so I gotta I gotta ask you what made you decide at some point in your life to start a Comic-Con in what is the second largest city in Michigan? I'm stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the idea originally came in 2006. We're sort of a unique story because, you know, a lot of Comic-Con, a lot of the major Comic-Cons were started either by a store or a major corporate conglomerate. And mm -hmm. the idea originally came to me in 2006. I was sitting in a convention in Pittsburgh. And it was a very slow weekend, and I just grabbed some paper and started sketching out an idea for a convention. Now, you got to remember, at this point in my life, this is not a joke, I worked two jobs, sold posters on the weekend at conventions, and lived in a car. That's just the honest wow. truth. And I got done drafting this grandiose plan and looked at it, stared at it for a minute, and came to the conclusion that it was absolutely the stupidest idea I ever had in my life. Because how in the world does a guy like that pull this off? And the answer is you couldn't. So yeah. I wadded it up and threw it away. But the idea never left my head. And I decided that this was something I wanted to try to get done. And now, who's we? Years, you've met you've said you've said we a couple times. Who's we? Well, mostly just myself, but my you know, I met my wife in 2008 and Oh, okay. Um, married in 2011. She is very involved. She runs the vendor hall and. Oh, all right, cool. Basically, is um, on my case about spending every nickel. <laughs> uh, right. And um, I was I did a little work with a vintage toy show in the area, and, and the guy had absolutely no interest in making it modern at all. Just done. Wow. No so I left it frustrated and more or less just said I I give up on this and. My wife said, no, what you're going to do is you're going to do that crazy idea you had in 2006. I thought she was nuts. Um, then I realized, oh, crap, she's actually serious. Um, and I spent three days trying to talk her out of it, but she'd have nothing to do with it. She's like, no, so, we what? can pull this off. You can do this. We can do this. I said, okay. So we did the first show, which was in October of 2013. And it was okay. held in a place called the HSB building, which is basically – Another weird thing about this show. Um, it is a school building, an elementary school kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. built by homeschool parents so that their kids could go to classes together, but they didn't want them going to public school. So the community of uh, homeschool parents got together and literally built their own school. As wow. good as that sounds, it's in Grand Rapids. It's one of the few in the whole country that, that does this. And they rent the building wow. out on Saturdays for, you know, flea markets, and they do a vintage toy, a couple of vintage toy shows. They do a train show, a few other, you know, kind of VFW hall kind of things. So it's like and a gymnasium, pretty much. Well, okay. we, did, we went a little different. We basically got permission to gut the whole school. We used the, the small cafeteria they had for a programming room. We took every classroom, and they were turned into either film rooms or. Um, programming of course the gym was the main vendor hall 
Blah, so you blah, commandeered blah. the entire building and reworked it for the con? Yeah. Wow. Set it all up on a Friday night, put it all back together on a Saturday afternoon. Had to have it all tore down in one day because four churches meet there on Sundays. Homeschool stuff that probably doesn't surprise you. They have a lot of faith-based activity going on there. It probably is no and um, so we put together this five day, five dollar one day show. Okay. And this yeah. is a joke. You can look this up online to verify it. 10,000 people showed up. It's the most <laughs> thing so, I've ever seen in my life. So no, clearly there's a need. So clearly there's a need in the area for that level of entertainment. There is. Yeah, there was. Um, if you want to look it up, there's a uh, YouTube video that somebody filmed called Grand Rapids Comic Con line. And he literally walked through the whole mile of it, just filming everybody who was in line. And when they filmed that, was at 11 in the morning. That line was the people that couldn't get in because we had met Firecoat. Oh, man. Oh. It was absolutely ridiculous. It stretched 1.3 miles. And ah. um, no, I'm serious. No, I'm that's serious. great. And um, so where, was, where um, did you do it the next year? Well, obviously, what not there. Yeah. Uh, the building was very nice to us and they let us out of our contracts. They sort of realized because we had a three year deal and they sort of realized that there's no way we can do this. So they yeah. let us out, which was mutual and it was good. They were very nice to work with. I mean, I had no problem with the building at all. Then we went to the Delta Plex, which is a building that 70 year old facility in Grand Rapids, uh, basketball court and a couple of little convention halls connected to it. And then they were like, three breakout rooms we could use for programming and that kind of thing. We thought we would be there to three to five years too. And we sold out Saturday, sold and got within five, uh, a few hundred of selling out Sunday at 4,000 on a Friday building only holds about six. And then we said, um, yep, you got to move out of here too. Need a bigger boat. We need a bigger boat. That's exactly. <laughs> So we went to, then we went to the DeVos place. We've been there ever since. There's nowhere else to go. I mean, it's the biggest facility in the side of the state. It's uh, right. pretty similar to where um, Michael Goldman runs the Motor City show. Okay. The only difference is, is I have a lot more rooms for non-vending programming, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. Stone rooms, that kind of thing. I have 20 of those. Well, he has wow. about four. And you fill them all up? Yes, all of them. Wow. So what we kind of them. celebrities do you get there? The celebrities this year, the main things we're doing is um, a gathering, uh, the biggest gathering done in North America for X-Men, the animated series. And it's a full gamut kind of thing. We have six voice actors. We also have the two creators of the series. We have Larry Houston, who produced it and did all the concept art, and Len wow. Uly, who's one of the main screenwriters. So it's literally a front of the camera and behind camera kind of stuff. Wow, and nice. they're also doing six guys who played Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th films. <laughs> um, which okay. is sort of fun. I mean, you know, that's sort of neat. It's a little different, um, especially for a show that's known for being PG. Then we're bringing yeah. up Jason's and it's like, you know, sort of screw some people up. Yeah. And, and um, we also like doing historical kind of stuff. Okay. Which is, you know, stuff that really goes back. We're sort of weird. We don't we do not do the 90s, 80s, 70s thing too much, which most okay. shows do. The other, the, we, do, we do a couple reunions a year. The third one 
is the two surviving cast members from Bambi from 1942. Yes, wow. believe it or not, there are two people still alive from that film. Wow. The voice of Bambi and the voice of Thumper. So it's two <laughs> of the main characters. Right, exactly. And a fun well, aspect. got to be some great it. interviews right there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we work with the Walt Disney Company to, to uh, you know, we show the film and then they do interviews with classic stuff and we send the footage to Walt Disney for their archives. They haven't, we did last year Margaret Carey, who was the original model for Tinkerbell in the 1953 film Peter Pan. Wow. And she went through Disney animation in the 1950s, how they actually did things where they built props and they would have actors on the props and be like, okay, pose here. Then you'd pose and there'd be about 50 animators drawing you like a crazy fool. Then be like, okay, now move a quarter of an inch this way. Stop. Stay there. And then 50 animators would draw that. And that's the way they did it back then. You know, it's not like today where they just hit a computer program and bam, they got a film, you know. Right. I know it's more complicated than that, but. Actually, it's, it's almost not. They have point A, point B, and the computer does the tweens. That's what it's called. The tweens between point A and point B. And that's why we do what we do in terms of this stuff. Like also a neat part about the Bambi thing is Donnie Dunnigan was the kid in the original Son of Frankenstein in 1939. And he's going to do a Universal Monsters panel. And I mean, how many more of those do you think you're going to sit in with somebody who was there? Wow. Yeah, there. no. We're talking about an 83-year-old movie. Yeah, he's got to be. What is he? Almost a hundred. That's still alive. So he's 90. I'm sorry. He's 90-something? He's 87. Oh, he all right. Was, so he's a little kid. He was four years old when he did Son of Frankenstein, and he was seven when he did Bambi. Wow, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, and we've and we've done a lot of that kind of stuff in the past, and like look at a lot of the older stuff. Like uh, another older guest this year is Victoria Price, who's Vincent Price's daughter. Right. Okay. And we do. Uh, we do. We try to do a panel like this every year where we bring in the sibling, a child of a very, very famous person. And then they show home movies of them as a kid. Ha! That's great. And uh, we did, the first one we did was in 2019. We did Sarah Karloff, who uh, is the daughter of Boris Karloff, you know, Frankenstein. Right. And she had home videos of her playing with her dad in Frankenstein makeup in the front yard. One of the wildest things you've ever seen. <laughs> and her and her was just dad being silly. Wow. But, you know, yeah, it's all normal it, for her. That is iconic, you know, that is neat. But yeah. he would do stuff like that. He'd go home. He would leave the monster makeup on and go home and play with his kids. They'd film it. And they, they got all kinds of weird footage like that, which is really neat, you know. So and, and it gives a completely different perspective on a very famous actor. You know, I mean, sure. You know, humanizes about dad. Yeah. Humanizes him completely. And that's the point, you know, because, you know, we're all human and they're human, too, you know, and. Some of the Hollywood celebrities don't think they are. You know how, you know what I mean? Some of them have sure. an arrogance issue. But we find the older guests to be absolutely joy, a joy. The first yeah. one we did was uh, was um, Rico Browning. And Rico Browning was the creature in the original Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, okay. And he was very apprehensive to come because he was like, nobody's going to care. Why would I want to do this? Nobody's going to care. And we're like... People are going to care. Trust us. Yeah. And we put enough of a guarantee. Everybody's in. seen that movie. Well, and, and you know, and, and it was so funny because he's a very old man. He was in a wheelchair. His son was with him. 
And um, they come out to do the autograph things. They're supposed to go out there. You know, we open the doors at noon, one o'clock. They go out and they start signing. You know, first hour, you let people sort of figure out what the heck's going on. Right. And um, he comes out and there's already a line. He looked at his son and said, time to go to work. And he <laughs> sat there for three days and signed autographs. And he wouldn't leave the table. It was bizarre. He was there when we, the doors opened. He was ready to go. He stayed till it closed every day. Even if nobody was there, he just stayed there. And we couldn't even get him to get breaks to, like, go eat a sandwich. I mean, we couldn't. He wouldn't leave the table. And wow. I brought him a table, and he's like, I mean, I brought him a, sand, a, a meal, and I'm like, you know, Mr. Browning, you do have a right to take breaks. You can go back. Like, Shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, and the son looks at me, and he shrugs his shoulders, and he's happy. Let him right. do it. I'm like, I'm not abusing your dad. He said, no, you're not. He said, let him work. I'm like, yes, sir. You brought him something that gave him joy, even when he didn't even realize it. You proved to him that he had a level of worth beyond what I believe his imagination would allow. So you really gave him a gift there based on what you just said. I think so. Um, I think that's fair because his son sent me probably one of the neatest letters I ever got working with this show. Basically, you know, talk to us about it and how much his dad appreciated it and all. And the last sentence was, thank you for allowing my father to feel like a movie star one more time. And that was just like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty neat. And, um, you know, a lot of these older actors, you know, they really enjoy being able to do an event this big. You know, they're used, they're used to being delegated to specialty monster shows that, 500 people go to the average person is about 60. That's right. what they're used to. Then they go to a show like us and they've got 16 year old kids coming up going, you know, I watched your dad in movie, you know, with Sarah Carlos. She said, one thing that amazed her was a 16 year old girl that came up and she's like, I watched your movies with my grandfather. Every Halloween I would go watch Bride of Frankenstein every year. And I, that was my Halloween. I would go to my grandfather's and we'd watch Bride of Frankenstein. She's like, and the father and the grandfather had passed away. And um, she's like, that's just the greatest grand memory of my grandfather was watching Bride of Frankenstein with him, yeah. you know, with, with your father. And um, they sort of bonded, which is sort of weird to see a woman like Sarah Karloff, who, you know, is deep in her 70s, and yeah. a 16-year-old kid bond. Yeah, right. You know, and but that's part of the magic of this, if you do it right, you know, is... You know, we're a very community-driven event. I mean, we really try to, you know, we do a lot of charity work. We do a lot of things that are different than a lot of other conventions. It is not about the bottom line to us. I mean, the bottom line takes care of itself, but, you know, we're not afraid to do extra stuff. Like every, we do an author's conference as part of our show. We bring in a bunch of teen, you know, young adult sure. style authors. And every year, we bring several of them to a school district in our area and they do presentations on writing and being an author. Oh, wow. Okay. And we intentionally, when we started it, and this was an idea of a staff member, it's not mine. We intentionally picked the poorest school district in the county, intentionally. And the reason we did that was because when these kind of things come to town, they always go to the rich districts in our area, Ada, right. Hudsonville, um, Forest Hill Central, East Grand Rapids, those kind of things. So we're like, 
let's do something different. So we picked Godfrey Lee, which is 70% Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And and definitely the poorest district in the county. There's no sure. doubt about that. And um, we've seen some amazing stuff come out of that because it went from kids not caring, more or less. They're like, you know, why, why would we bother? To now this school, one of the biggest clubs in it is a writer's group. And nice. The thing they look forward to every year is every November and April when we bring authors to the school and we bring big names there. I mean, uh, Josh Mellerman, who wrote Bird Box, did one year. Um, Christopher Paolini, who wrote the Aragon books, we had him one year. He went in, wow. which was pretty neat to see these kids just looking at this guy who, you know, wrote one of the 10 biggest selling young adult series ever written. Yeah. In their school talking to them. And apparently a kid raised his hand. Then asked him, why are you here? And Christopher's answer was perfect. He said, why not? <laughs> and the yeah. kid just sat there and said, okay, good enough for me. And yeah. that was the end of it because these kids are like, why is a guy like this talking to us poor Hispanic kids? You know, and I personally believe that these kids have the same rights as any other kid. Sure. To be these kind of contents. Yeah, I mean, of course. We film it all, and a lot of the school districts in the area will play. There's like an inner, like a channel system, sort of like a TV thing where schools can film other presentations, and then they share them. Yeah, like I'm close quite circuit. sure how that works. Yeah. It's like an, it's like a intercom kind of system where they all can share. They sure. can watch them live from other schools, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, you know, and and a lot of the school districts will pipe into that. So let me so let me ask you this: Do you um, you have actors and you have writers? Do you guys still have the huge um, collections of uh, collectibles and uh, makers and, sure. and 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 books and everything? Yeah, and about forty comic artists as well. Okay, you know, we bring in all kinds of names. I mean, we have everything from. I mean, this year Agnes Garbowska, who does DC superhero girls. She's the oh, leader yeah. of the franchise. She's going to be there. And we also have Vince Locke, the guy who does all the Cannibal Corpse album covers. Oh, wow. Obviously, he's not exactly what you'd call kid-friendly. Um, very nice guy, but his art is just, you know. It's out there. His art is not for anybody under 17, generally speaking. Sure. Uh, but he did Sandman, and he did a lot of the initial work for uh, the Sandman series that just went on uh, Netflix. Yeah, I think it was Netflix. Yeah, Neil, Neil, Gaiman's, Neil Gaiman's series. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and it was one. He was one of the artists that actually worked on some of the concept stuff. So, yeah. you know, and um, so we sort of go all over the map with that. I mean, we have a lot of kid ones. We have some, you know. I mean, Frank Thierry's coming, and uh, um, you know, we you know uh, Tony Cordos, and there's quite a few others. Stuart Sager who has a lot of horror covers for Image. Oh, that was my dad. Yeah. Um, no, he, he does so a lot you of only do this once a year in November, or you do it twice a year? We do it twice a year. The We do two different shows, because people sort of compare us with the Motor City Comic Con, because they do two big shows a year. We don't do that. We do the one big one, which is our one this weekend. And then we do another one in April, which is in a smaller facility. But it's still not a small show. I mean, we had 13,000 people do it last year. Wow, I mean that's, that's peanuts compared to what Motor City does even on a Saturday, but yeah, but that's that's a different. There's a it's a huge. I I think what you're what you've been telling me is there's a whole level of intimacy that you're dealing with. 
and and which is not necessarily what we're getting at Motor City Comic Con. And I'm not going to say anything bad about Motor City Comic Con. I won't but... either. It's a little unique of an event. We get told repeatedly it has a different vibe. We hear that all the time. And yeah. I think a lot of it, if you know, is because I'm, although it's a pretty big show, I mean, you know, 30,000 people is considered a national show in our field. And we've yeah. been hovering at 29 to 29.5 for a couple of years. We think this okay. year we're going to officially by everybody's standards become a national gig um we're right now we're just probably one of the biggest regionals in the country what motor city would be considered a national um but we really try to keep a local stank on it you know um we really try to do that um i really want it to feel like it's just borderline a nerd community fair you know we yeah. do a lot of you know, we, we just do a lot of things that are different than than what Michael Goldman does. And that's not a put down to what Michael does. I mean, there are ways I think he's right. I mean, compare bank accounts. I'm sure he's got a hell of a lot more money than I do. Um, he also has a, he probably has a bigger staff, too. I, I don't know about that. I have 28 people who work on this thing. Oh, I think, all right. I think he works his staff a lot harder than I do. Yeah. Um, so how long does it take to... Uh... How much lead time do you need to put together this fall show, for example? When do you start calling people and making arrangements and getting stuff? 1.5 years. In advance? Oh, yeah. Really? We've already started booking the November 2023 show. We've already started. And the April 2023 show, which will be April 14 through 16, you have to, a little silly, Grand Rapids Comic Con in April 2023 is going to be in Kalamazoo. Because we couldn't get our the DeVos place and the build uh, Delta Flex facility is relocating. Oh boy! Which I mean, when's the last time you heard of a convention center moving? You know, <laughs> that's just it's just one of those things where I'm like, that's a new one. I've never heard of that before. And um, well, so Kalamazoo's yeah. not that Kalamazoo's not that far out, is it? It's less than an hour away, right? Yeah, it's less than an hour, but you know, for some of the kids. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, 14-year-old kid, they got to convince mom and dad down that driving them 15 minutes to drive them an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. But there's a lot of Kalamazoo kids that can't go because they got to convince their parents to drive them an hour and they can't do it. So we think they're going to wash themselves out. The adults that drive, yeah, you're right. An hour ain't going to make much of a difference to them. They're going to show right. up. So what's, uh? let me ask you this, Mark, what's uh? What's in the near future what, what can we look forward to that's new and different from you? Well, the April show um, is, um, we know we're going to be doing the four leads from Death Note, which is pretty neat, you know, for the anime fans. That's because that's a very unusual reunion to get all four. Right. And we're doing uh, Andrew Robinson and Jeffrey Combs from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Andrew okay. Robinson was Garrick, which is, you know, pretty famous. Yeah, character. yeah. Very complicated character. And Jeffrey Combs was the leader of the Dominion. Right. So, okay. You know, so the Dominion Wars. Um, so that's that we think is pretty neat. But, you know, and they both have horror history as well. Andrew Robinson was one of the leads in Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser in 87. Yeah. And um, Jeffrey Combs was the doctor in Reanimator, all three of the Reanimator films. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, I guess I, 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 I never put that together. You know, you see somebody and they look familiar and you go, Oh, wait a minute. I know where he's from. Yeah, I'm going to slaughter the names. 
But um, we're also doing three guests that are what we're calling classic Japan. And it's basically way back Japan. So that's what our vintage stuff is going to be with this show. Ben Furua, who was the original Ultraman, is coming. Um, wow. Also, first appearance anywhere in North America. Mary Shimuzi. Boy, I know I slaughtered that. She was the original voice of Astro Boy in 1963. <laughs> That's pretty neat. And a real fun one for the Godzilla fans. But again, this is not one of these front of the screen guys. But boy, is yeah. he important in the films. Is I forget his first name, but Mr. Kaija. He was Toho's concept artist for 42 years. So wow. basically, if you've seen a Godzilla film in the last four decades, he designed the monsters. Well, he, I... I... He did Godzilla vs. Kong. He did Kong Skull Island. He did 2000. Oh, he's still doing it. Oh, yeah. Wow. And um, he, um, we were sort of amazed because he wanted to start doing some shows. And the agent told me they couldn't find much interest. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, right. You snapped it up. I mean, this guy, I mean, I mean, Godzilla's popular. I mean, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Anything Godzilla is cool. But you right. bring the guy who's doing all the concept work. Yeah. Holy That's crap. Amazing. That is well, cool. I think Comic Experience Sci-Fi needs to uh, come to the next one. I don't think we can make this one, but we need to come to the next one. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Mark. I'm, I'm so glad that you made the time for us. Thank you so much. I wish you all the luck. It sounds like you you found something good and you're you're doing it right. And I hope it continues for you. We're trying. Thank you. I appreciate the compliments. So, but um, anyone who wants to visit us can look at the website at www.grcomiccon.com. That's G-R-C-O-M-I-C-C-O-N.com. Again, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. And thanks so much for, uh, for talking to us today. You're welcome. Have a great day, guys.